in, uh, in 1776, uh, colonialists that we know uh, signed their names to a radical document that would change the world. Uh, we call that document the Declaration of Independence. Uh, these men knew that they would probably have to give their lives if they put their names on this document. The final sentence says, and for the support of this declaration and with a firm reliance and the protection of the divine providence, that's what they meant by calling on the name of God, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. That's commitment, right? Commitment to a cause. They pledge their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, and we, we have to think about that. What are we committed our, our lives to? The power of that commitment at that time uh, was amazing because the United States today is one of the most powerful and influential nations in the world. In 1943, a group of 100,000 young German men and brown shirts crammed into an Olympic stadium, which at that time was the largest stadium in the world, and formed their bodies into a sign that would say, Hitler, we are yours. That commitment to that cause led them to take over a continent, they, and it took a world war, World War II, to liberate and release the Europeans from the bondage of Nazism. 50 years ago, a group of Chinese students took a little book that they called the Sayings of Chairman Mao, a little red book. They memorized it, and they said they were going to live by this book and die by this book and commit their lives to this book. And what came out of that was what is known as the cultural revolution in the largest nation in the world, population-wise. China was in total upheaval, and even today, 100 billion people, a quarter of the world, are under the domination of communism because of the commitment of a few. History teaches us that it doesn't take a lot of people to change the world. It takes a committed group of people. It doesn't take a lot, but it takes a fully committed few. Uh, it's not with any apology that I would say to you that our nation continues to need change. Amen? Amen. I mean, I believe that our culture, American culture, needs a cultural revolution. In a place when the government is paralyzed by scandals every week, uh, bickering, uh, self-focused politically, kids killing each other at schools, something is terribly wrong. Uh, and I believe we need a cultural revolution. But you know, the revolution that we need is not political. You cannot legislate into people to, to live righteous. Uh, I don't believe that the answer is simply educational. The answer really is spiritual. Because change takes place in the heart and change takes place in society. One person, one relationship at a time. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. So, uh, I'd like to talk to you about catalyst, being a catalyst. Now, maybe when you think about catalyst, the actual, the whole name of this series for this fall is called Catalyst, Let's Surprise the World. 
Would you say that? We're going to say catalyst. Let's surprise the world. It's our focus. Ready? Catalyst. Let's surprise the world. So as you think about this with me uh, and with our staff, um, think about who. Think about when. Think about why. Think about how. Can we be a catalyst? Could we participate in changing the world? So first, what is a catalyst? It's a good question. Glad you asked. Um, the definition of catalyst, I just started looking up uh, all kind of different various definitions. Uh, you'll notice it shows up over here. Uh, this will be here, the whole series, reminding us of, of what we're doing. Uh, you'll see banners all around the, um, uh, the church that will give you some perspective. Uh, if you look carefully, uh, you maybe can understand part of what we're trying to do by looking carefully at these banners. Uh, they not only say catalyst, but there's a picture there that gives you an idea. Of, uh, of what we're doing. Now, uh, the, the first definition of catalyst doesn't really fully apply to us, but I thought I'd give it to you. It's a chemical reaction. Now, what that means is that you mix stuff together, and you can mix a lot of things together, but usually there's one thing, if, those, if that mixture is going to create any kind of action, there has to be some kind of catalyst to, uh, to, uh, to make that happen, some kind of action agent that takes place in, in that mixture. So we can move beyond that definition to another one that would say uh, a catalyst is something or someone who brings about significant change or action. Uh, a catalyst, uh, someone, something that is going to make the world better. Something that is going to make life uh, better. Uh, you have some things in your life, some catalysts that have caused you to be like you are, to make the choices that you made, some ways that God and others has, has moved you along. You know, all of us could just be really lazy and lay on the couch if it wasn't for some catalyst. I don't know who your catalyst is, but they probably say, you need to get yourself up. You need to be doing something. You need to whatever. Uh, catalyst. Someone or something that brings about change or action. How about this? A catalyst is a person whose life, talk, enthusiasm, convictions, and energy cause others to be transformed. Now, certainly it can affect myself, but the opportunity that we have to be an influence, to be a catalyst on others around us. Now, truly, Jesus Christ is the ultimate catalyst, right? He is the ultimate catalyst to bring about change in the world. Now, we love John 3.16, but I often tell people you can't make, you got to make sure you don't just understand John 3.16 without John 3.17. They go together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's quite an offer, right? It's quite a difference, quite a, an action that he has taken. God has taken in sending Christ to us so that we wouldn't perish, but have e eternal life. 4.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
And saving salvation is bringing about change, transformation, creating the opportunity for things to be completely different. So the question of catalyst is, what could we as believers, what could we do together to surprise the world? You know, the world's not expecting much of us, right? You know, we live in what theologians like to call a post-Christian era. Uh, What they mean by that is that they think that Christianity is either dead or dying. Uh, We know that's not true. We know that the world, though, needs to be surprised by believers. Do you know, in some of the reading that we've been doing, that we noticed that a lot of people think that the world, that is no difference, that there's no difference between Christian and unbelievers. Now, we, we wouldn't say that because they're not sitting in this room with us. But the people that are talking about that are saying, you know, out there in our community, in the world around us, is the world any different because we're here? Are we being a catalyst to bring about change? Are things any different in your neighborhood? Are things any different among your friends because you know Christ? Wouldn't you say that's what the Bible proclaims us to be? Could we have no influence on the world around us and truly be the people that God called us to be? It's kind of a convicting question, isn't it? You know, I, I think if this church disappeared, I think our community would miss us. Don't you? I mean, we, we are active. We're trying to be out there. We are talk, I mean, I'm talking to people every week that know about us. I mean, Marigold is one of our, one of our things, but we got a bunch of other things. that we're, we're trying to be known and make a difference in the community around us. But, you know, it's not just about us. It's about the whole Christian community. And it's not only about what's happening in Pekin and in Tazewell County, but around the world. How could the church, how could we as believers, how could you, be a catalyst the way that God intends for us to be. That's what we're talking about. See, nothing happens without a commitment to the cause that we've been called to. You know, commitment is what gets the ball rolling. Commitment is what turns our perspectives and our dreams into reality. Um, You know, your commitments really define your life. We are the sum total of those things that we're committed to. I mean, you tell me what you're committed to, what you're really passionate about, and that will give us some idea of the direction of your life. You know, weak people can be controlled and dominated and directed by their circumstances. But people that are strong, especially strong, in faith are directed and determined by their commitments. So we have to choose what we're going to be committed to because that's how we're going to end up. That's, that's what we're going to end up being not only passionate about, but what difference it's going to make. The Bible talks a lot about this. I mean, the Bible says that God is looking for people that will be fully committed to his way, his kingdom, his word. Look at the verse. Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I noticed that I bring this verse up about once a year. (laughs) It, It always comes up with me. I'm always thinking about that because I think that's what God has called us to be. He is looking around for a people. Now, some of you 
Are, are you with me already? Are, are, you, are you catching the... Uh, now, some of you might think, wow, pastor, um, I mean, what more could we do? I mean, we're doing everything we could do uh, as a church. Not true. <laughs> Not true. There are so many lost people out around us. There are so many people in your family, your friendships, your neighbors, your friends around us. Uh, we are called together. You know, we can't just look at what we're doing as a group. We have to recognize what God is calling you to do and you to do. I, I ask people occasionally, how would our church be if we were what you are? How would our church be if our attendance was your attendance, if your service, if your commitment? I mean, th that's the kind of question I think Jesus wants to ask of me and of you. What would it be like? I mean, how does your attitude fit into what God is asking us to do as a, as a you know, we do it together, but, but it's really on you. It's really his asking you to be a catalyst for what's going to happen in the kingdom of God. So this is where we're headed. So here's, how, here's what we're doing this morning. Two different, two different ways I want to talk about things. First of all, personal commitments for catalysts. There's some prerequisites prerequis if we're going to be a catalyst. There's some things that you got to get right if you're going to be able to let God through you make a difference in whatever that begins to mean for us individually as us as a congregation. And then secondly, I want to talk about some practical steps. Kind of want to give you an overview of Catalyst in the next few weeks uh, and some ways that we can talk about that. So first of all, personal commitments um, that we make to become a life-changing catalyst for Christ uh, and his kingdom. All right, uh, number one, uh, first commitment is that I commit my life to Jesus Christ. I commit my life to Jesus Christ. You know, that's foundational. Before anything else can happen, you got to know God. You got to know that God uh, put you on this earth to know him, that you have the capacity to know God. So the first thing you do is commit your life to Christ. You know, it's really the most important issue that you're going to decide. I, I mean, I know that some of you are probably uh, right now trying to figure out uh, how, how do I accomplish um, how do I get the right career? Maybe the next job that God wants me to have. Great, important question. Uh, maybe sometimes we wonder, uh, who am I going to live my life with? Am I going to be single? Am I going to get married? Uh, who will I marry? Another important question. I mean, you know what? You can mess up both of those questions and still be all right. You can mess up the job question and the marriage question. I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying that you can do it and still be okay. But you cannot get the Jesus question wrong and be all right because it has eternal implications for us. Uh, if you miss that question, it's a heaven and hell question. Heaven and hell are in the balance. If you're going to live um, your life, if you're going to live for the approval of others or the approval of a spouse, but if you're going to live your life for God, that makes all the difference. So what does it mean to commit your life to Jesus Christ? Romans 10:9 says, if you confess your mouth with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what happens? What does it say? You will be saved, right? You will be transformed. That catalyst will have a life-changing impact uh, on you. Uh, it's so powerful. I mean, Jesus made it so simple, didn't he? 
I mean, he, you know, we make it so difficult. We make it all this man-made stuff built around. But this is what Easter is all about. That God said, if you believe that God raised Christ from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Lord is like a word for who's in charge. It's like CEO or boss or manager or director. You know, God wants to be the one in control of your life. He wants to manage. He wants to guide uh, your life. So he's encouraging us to put our life into his hands. And when you do that, you know, what does it cost to follow Christ? It costs everything. It costs giving up control of your life and letting him uh, be in control. So that's the first issue. If you're going to be a catalyst, to, the first issue is to settle your commitment to Christ. To say, Jesus, I open my life to you. I want, you to, I want to commit myself to you for the rest of my life. If you're sitting in this room today and you have a question about your faith in Christ, I invite you to tell him, even right this second where you are, I'm going to trust you. I turn my life over to you. It was as simple as believing and trusting him. All right, now, first prerequisite. If you're going to be a catalyst, commit your life to Christ. Number two. Second thing is I commit to be a member of, of God's family, a member of his family. First Peter 1.3. God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. I circle there, members, right? He doesn't expect us to go through life without support. He never meant for any of us to handle our problems and our situations on our own. He wants to put support, encouragement, other people. And so he created a family and he called it the church. The Bible says it's a privilege to be part of the church. We take it for granted in America. I mean, you go to other countries, especially you go to places where it's against the law to go to church and to meet with other believers. They understand the privilege that it is to, to be a part of God's family. That's, it's important. You need a family. You need the family of God. It's a privilege to be a part. Um, the Christian life involves more than just believing. It involves belonging. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another. You know, God never meant for us to live this life alone. He wanted us to commit our life to Christ and be part of God's family. Um, I, I, get, I get, have conversations. I get notes like this all the time. This one says, Pastor, from the moment I stepped inside my first service at PFN, I felt like I belonged here. To shorten my story, and he had quite a bit more to say, but he said, to shorten my story, Christ became real to me. I joined our church, and I'm now serving in a ministry that's very fulfilling to me. I love being part here. I know everybody's pain is different, but we all need God. My pain was almost unbearable without a church family. I took your membership class, and I had to hold back the tears of joy when you discussed PFN as a family. I'm, re I'm really I'm so grateful for my brothers and sisters here and for a church that I can call home. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? You know, pastor loves that kind of stuff, for sure. But that's us, right? Uh, many of you gave the same kind of testimony. Just being here, that's what we're about. It's not only uh, a commitment to Christ, but a commitment to each other, supporting each other, being a part of God's family. You know, you could, you know, if a person is without a family, we might call them an orphan. I think a Christian without a church family is like a spiritual orphan. 
I'm not saying they can't have a relationship with Christ. I'm just saying that's not the way he intended it to be, that we would be brought together as a family. So commit your life to Christ and commit yourself to a body of Christians called the church. You know, you can join our church. Uh, There's going to be a membership class next Sunday. Uh, You're welcome to come to be a part of that, to talk about what it means to be uh, a part of a church family and to be decide if this is the place. You know, there's a bunch of churches There's a lot of good churches. We're not the only church, but if this is your church, come on, get with it. In my membership class, I always say, help me. Help me. Help us. We've got a lot of people working real hard here. Come on. We're called together to be a catalyst to make a difference in the world. Let's get with it. Let's accomplish what he wants. Let's not just sit around and be happy on what we've already done. Let's figure out what God wants us to do. What he wants us to be, commit your life to Christ, commit yourself to be a member of God's family. Number three, commit, I must commit to be, excuse me, to live like Jesus. I commit to live like Jesus. When I become a Christian, God says, I want you to represent me. I want you to represent me in the way you act. I want you to be a model of my life through you. You know, the term Christian used to be a derogatory term. When they first used it, it was like a a slur. They would say, oh, you're one of them Christians. The word Christian really meant little Christ. That person is a Jesus guy. She's a little Christ. She's a, uh, he's a Christian. I mean, anybody ever accused you of being like Christ? Why not? As you grow, God wants you to learn to act like Jesus, to think the way he thought, to feel the way that he felt, uh, to think about the things the way he does. God wants us to learn to make decisions the way Jesus made decisions. God wants us to treat people the way Jesus treated people. My belief, my behavior, my attitudes, my actions all come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We want, I want to act like Jesus. Amen? That's what he calls us to be. We're going to be catalysts. See, the goal is spiritual maturity. God wants us to grow up and to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus in every area of my life. And you know what? It takes a little while. There is no pill that we sell at the Welcome Center to help you become like Jesus instantly. It's hard work, isn't it? It's a process. Many times it'll, it'll take you throughout your life. It doesn't happen by accident. You just don't buy a Bible and all of a sudden sit it on the coffee table or put it under your pillow at night and by osmosis, you just become like Jesus. I mean, you have to know it in your heart. You have to have it in your mind. It's a, it's a commitment that we make. Look at this verse. Hebrews 6, 1 says, let us go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. Um, you know, the, the answer to your life issues and problems is not in the latest television show, the next movie that's coming out, the newspaper or magazine or something you read on the internet. It's deciding to let the Word of God fill us, help us to grow in maturity, and become more like Christ. If we're going to be a catalyst to make a difference in the world, 1 Timothy says, they must be committed to the revealed truths of Christian faith and must live with a clear conscience. Commit your life to Christ. Commit to be a member of God's family. Commit to live like Jesus, number four. Commit to show grace to others. To show grace to others. God put you here uh, 
you know, not to be, not to be a pastor or necessarily to be uh, a minister in some kind of official way, but God puts us on this earth and he gave every person in this room, every person that calls this place uh, home, God put you on this earth and gave you gifts and talents on purpose. He expects us to use those talents and abilities to help others in this world around us to build his kingdom. Whenever you use your talents and your abilities unselfishly without thought for reward or gain, that's called ministry. And every Christian is called to be a minister. You know, a non-ministering Christian would be a contradiction. God doesn't ask you to do everything in the world, but he asks you to do something, right? He didn't ask you to do everything. He just asked you to do something to, to make a difference. First Peter 14 says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure that you use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Uh, if you want to live like Jesus, his commitment was to serve and not be served. Matthew 20, 28, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom uh, for many. That's his encouragement to us. He wants us to be involved in helping others, making a difference in others around us. Many of you that can teach or many of you that can be a witness, many of you that can use your gifts and abilities. That's his desire for us to show others our commitment to him using all that God has given us. Show grace to others. Finally, number five, final commitment is I commit to being a messenger of his love. A messenger of his love. For God was in Christ restoring the world to himself. This is the wonderful message he has given to us to tell others. We are Christ ambassadors. God is using us to speak to others. That could have been the catalyst verse right there ambassadors serving him, reaching out to him. Uh, he wants us to tell others. He wants us to be a messenger of the, of the love that he has shown. I mean, what's the best news that you ever heard? The best news that you ever heard is that you could be completely forgiven for every sin you've ever committed and that you don't have to earn your way to heaven, but he has provided as a free gift and all you have to do is accept it by faith and open your life to Christ. That has to be the greatest news ever, right? The world is dying to hear that. The world is far more ready to hear the news than we give them credit for. They might want to act like they push it away, but they need it. They need forgiveness. They need peace. They need the transformation that he can bring. And you don't have to be a theologian to share that. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God has provided a way through Jesus for, for us to go to heaven. You can be forgiven. He has got this thing called grace that he shows to all of us and desires us to show it and reveal it to all those that are around us. Uh, we reach out to the whole world around us. And I'm not talking about just going to Africa or back to Belize and all that. We're going to continue to do missions and all that. But what I'm asking you is about the next door neighbor, the person across the street, the one that you work with, those family members, those friends, the people that you come into contact with. You don't come into contact with the same people that I do. But God expects you to be a catalyst in the place in the world where you've been planted, where you live. That's what he's called us to do. We're called to be catalysts. Let's, let's surprise the world. Let's surprise the world. All right, how are we going to do that? Some practical steps. 
Uh, let me just walk you through just uh, some things that uh, we can begin to think about and some opportunities that you're going to have. Okay, uh, I'm just going to roll through these. Ready? Number one. Uh, I put a little box right there so you can kind of check it off or if it's a question mark, maybe you can, uh, whatever you're going to do, maybe do something uh, with it. First of all, attend church every week that you can this fall uh, for Catalyst. Uh, I encourage you to be here. Don't, uh, don't miss. Um, y- you know, I have... Some of you daddies, you need to make sure everybody's here. Some of you daddies online, you need to get you need to get your family here. Not just yourself, but get your family here. Some of you mamas, have it in your heart every week. Get your family here. Now listen, I'm not judging. Um but that, his encouragement to us is be in the house of God. This is our day. This is when we come together. You know, church is not optional. Amen? Didn't get any amens about that. Um, <laughs> attend. Be here. Let's grow together. You know, when you come here, you know, the commitments that you make on a day like today, the commitments that you make through a series like this, what's going to happen is every week you're going to be reminded of those. You're going to be reminded of the people that you need to be reaching out to. You're going to be reminded of the opportunities. You're going to have revelation, revelation of how God will use you to make a difference in the world. Because I'm not one of you that's exempt from what we're talking about here today. God wants us to be a catalyst in what happens in the world around us. Number two, pray for who God wants you to invite to church. Pray for who, I got, I got a little list right there while I'm talking about this point. If you have some names there, or maybe later on you can write in some people. Who is it that God wants you to invite to church? Um, I think, you know, church is not the answer for everything. I know that. But the best chance to get people thinking about a commitment to Jesus is to get them here. Now, you can even have dinner with them. I think that's a great idea. We'll talk about that as we go along. There's a lot of other ways to do that, but some of you are just scared, right? You'll talk to them about it, but you really need them to make a commitment to Christ. I encourage you to invite people to church. Invite them, get them here, think about that. Now, just think about this. If, uh, if all of us invited one person, let me tell you this first. If we don't do anything, If we just do what we're normally doing and we're just having a good time and church is great, I would say that we would probably have uh, a minimum of 150 new people that I'm going to meet through our church through, through probably Christmas. That's a bunch of new people, right? That's like a church in and of itself right there. And if you add in Christmas Eve, oh, the number's just out the roof, right? I mean, we're just going to have a ton of people that come if you don't do anything. But I was thinking, what if every one of us at least got one person to come to church throughout this whole time. That would be 800 new people that came to church. But you know what? Most of the time they don't come by themselves. Most of the time they bring somebody with them. You know, two would be 1,600, working on my math here. Uh, Ashley's right here, show me. You know, four could be like 3,200 people. Think about that. 3,200 people that we know that we could have an opportunity to minister to, to be a catalyst in their life if all we did was praying about who we might bring to church. Y'all think I'm crazy. I, I, I can see it. Because sometimes I think you think that church is fine like it is. It's not fine. 
We have a job. We have a responsibility. This is, this is not just a uh, nice church, hope everything's good, love you, pat you on the back, go. No, come on. We got a job to do out there. God has called us to be catalysts, to make a difference. And I can't do what you're supposed to do. And you can't do what I'm supposed to do. We all got to take our part. We got to do what God has asked us to do, inviting people. We decided we're going to be a catalyst. We're going to make a difference in people's life. I got more. Um, embrace, embrace the mission statement of PFM. All right, that's what this is on the wall right here. Uh, we put these up here. These are gonna, you're going to be so sick of these by the time we take them down. Uh, I love that. I want, I want you to learn this right here. When you come walking in the room, either side there, you can, I want you to learn. What this says is this is our logo, PFN, Pekin First Nazarene. And then I don't know if you ever noticed our logo, but we put people down here. We got people in wheelchairs, we got little kids, we got moms, we got dads, we got singles, we got couples, we got everybody, because we wanted to be a church for everyone. That's what, that's what this logo is all about. So this says church for, would you read this? Church for everyone. That's what we said. We said that for a long time. Um, we decided we needed kind of an expansion of, the, of what we understood that to be so that you knew what was happening. Church for everyone to church for everyone. So obviously it's not just that we hope everybody comes here. I say everybody comes to church here because you can find every age, every life issue, all kinds of circumstances, things that you don't even know about, about people that come to, everybody comes to church here. At least there, there's some flavor, some connection of that. That's what we mean by that. But we have a goal here. Like we have a mission. We are working on something. Church for everyone too. Ready? Follow Jesus. Now, next week, I'm going to preach about this whole, this whole thing right here, uh, that we would follow Jesus, and then you see this arrow, and then we're going to read it. Love God, love others, another arrow. Then we're getting down to some of the brass tacks over here, or what we're going to do. Read this. Learn and grow, and finally, serve, give, and go. Don't you like this is the last word of the mission right here? Go. Out there. <laughs> Follow Jesus, love God, love others, learn, learn and grow, serve, give, and go. Uh, so I just want to introduce that to you today. I want you to be able to quote that. I want you to be able to know what is our mission. Like we're trying to be a catalyst, but what are we trying to accomplish? That right there. That's our mission. That's what we're up to. I want you to learn it, memorize it. It'll be up a long time so that you know what is happening here. We're talking to our kids about it. We want everybody to think about what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, talk about that more next week. Consider, number four, consider the art of neighboring and knowing our neighbors. Consider the art of neighboring. Now, that's a phrase you're going to hear us talking about uh, weeks three, four, and five. We're going to talk extensively about this, but we put this in the bulletin today. You see this right here? Everybody see this right here? See this little tic-tac-toe board right there? That's not what it is. Right in the middle of this right there, you see that little house right there? That's where you live. That's where you live. And so the art of neighboring is thinking about what is going on in these places that are around you. Now, don't tell me, well, my neighborhood is not quite like that. I had somebody already say, well, we live in the country. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not worried about it. You, you have neighbors. You got to think about this in some, in some way for yourself. But so many of us do not even know the people that we live around. Could we listen a little amen? Am I all right? 
Yeah, we don't know them. Um, so one of our efforts is to think about the art of neighboring. Uh, how are we doing that? Uh, I've, been, I've been working on it because I knew I was going to be doing this. So last week after Marigold, I went to a block party in my neighborhood. <laughs> we had a block party. I had 33 neighbors that showed up at the block party. It was so great. You know, I even, we even had people sign in, and we have a directory. We, I, I know their names now. It's pretty awesome. People that live, I, I, I blow the horn. I wait there. I mean, I, now, I, I, mean I, I knew some of them already, but I know Randy and I know Greg and Amy and I know Vicky and I know Dave and Earlene lives right over. I'm so excited about all this. Right? <laughs> the art of neighboring because I'm supposed to be a catalyst for what's making a difference there. Uh, you might know some. But um, one of the things we're going to do is encourage you to have neighbor nights. Um, neighbor nights are going to be next Sunday and October 21st and November 4th. And what that means is we're not having Sunday night church so that we could encourage you to invite somebody over. Somebody that you could, you could do something to begin to build uh, your name. Maybe, maybe you invite somebody to your house. I would love that. Or maybe you go knocking on the door and take a pie or something over there. Do something to try to reach out to those that are around you. That's why we're calling them neighbor nights. And I'm going to ask you if you did it. All right. So I want you thinking today and this week, what could I do to, in, to think about beginning to be, a, this is just a beginning point, right? The beginning point is just thinking about it, deciding what could I do, could I take one step? You know, you don't have to have a block party. That was just my thing. I just wanted that to happen uh, and got my homeowners association and they put it together and I just went, man, and I was so excited about that. Um, do something. Could I be a catalyst? You know, I think, I think God is going to have some responsibility on me about the people that I live right around. You know, I know them. You know, th this card, read it, read it. It tells you how to begin to find out some things about people around you. Uh, instead of, um, I, th I think it says, instead of what color car they drive and how, what kind of flowers they have on their front porch. You know, you can tell that without doing anything. You can stand in your garage and see that. What do you do when you talk to people and you find out about them and you begin to pray about being a catalyst in your neighborhood? Are you with me on this? Don't back up on me now. See, I knew this would be where some of you get a little nervous. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, neighbor nights, I mentioned that. Okay, on-ramps. On-ramps to serve our community. One of the things that we want to do is to make sure that our community is aware that because of Jesus, we are different. We show up. Now, out on this wall right there, it's our community wall where the pictures already are all the time. You'll see out there, there are 16 organizations in our, in our area that we, now what we've done is like, here's what we normally do. We normally say, Cheryl, could you build a team and send them to Pekin Township so we can send a group over there? Right? Okay, we're not doing that. Uh, because we want you to take some initiative. So what we did is all of those places got calls from us. And we said, how'd you like to have some volunteers? Oh, that'd be great when you're coming. Well, I don't know. I don't know if anybody will come. We just, want, we just did, we did what we call the warm handshake. So they know we're talking about this. 
They know their name is out there. And on the bottom of their little logo, there's a, a thing that tell, has their name on it and a phone number. You know what you do with that phone number? You pick up your phone and you call them. And you have a conversation and say, we would love to be a... What we're trying to ask you to do is to be a catalyst for change in the world around us. You with me? You, now, you got, you got several weeks here. We're going to be doing this nine or ten weeks. There's no pressure. Nobody's going to... Well, I'll start saying nobody. I'll check up on you. I might. But, um, but well, we're going to figure out how much... Are we, what are we willing to do? Now, you say, why would we do that? Why don't we just serve in the church? Because we need to be out there. And these are all organizations that are trying to do things, and we try to support them and encourage them. And we thought the number one thing that could happen is that you go over there and you say... They ask you, why am I here? Because of what Christ has done for me. And our church wants to make a difference in the world, and I'm a part of that. I'm, going, I'm not just doing it because the church sent me or because we did. I called on my own and decided that I would volunteer and help in some way to make a difference in this community. What if several hundred of us did that? could be fantastic. So we call that on-ramps, opportunities where a warm handshake is there. You tell them, you mention Cheryl, you mention me, you mention our church. They know us. They know what's happening, and they will welcome you to be able to. Now, listen, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if you're going to have a great experience. I don't know the group that they have there. Don't put any weight on all that. You just go and serve, and you be Jesus. You be a catalyst in those moments. That's kind of my disclaimer. Somebody told me I needed to say that. So, uh, uh, I can't guarantee how it's going to go for you there, but all I know is we're going to make a difference. We're trying to make a difference to be a catalyst around us. Um, so take initiative to serve, take a number out there, and serve others. Uh, some other things that are happening quickly. Uh, Single Ladies Oil Change is next Saturday. So it's one of our fall events. Uh, if you want to be a part of that, what we do there is change oil, kind of do a winter car care. So a bunch of you guys that love that, thank you so much for doing that. We minister to the women that come. Uh, so it's ladies and gentlemen that are uh, supporting them. We have food and uh, give them an opportunity to be able to talk about what's happening in their life. And we... Uh, there's a meeting. If you're interested in the organizational meeting, it's right after the 1030 service in the room right off of the foyer right here, room 101. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, you can also sign up on the card. I think everybody's been contacted that was already signed up. If you sign up today, I'll make sure you have all the details of that. That's next Saturday. So that what an opportunity. Isn't that a great thing? To do something for, you know, almost all the cars that we deal with, most people, most of those ladies, they never change their oil. You know what? Sometimes every year we're the only one changing their oil. It, it, it's, it's difficult, but, you know, for us to have the opportunity to minister to 30, 40, 50 families, uh, what an opportunity uh, for us to do that. So um, Alabaster Offering is, is coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's kind of a mission help for churches without buildings. Um, Ken Rolls and our mission group is doing that. We're going to do an October non-food drive. Now, here's what we decided to do. 
We do this about every year. Uh, sometimes we've done food. Sometimes we do non-food. Many times we supported up to eight different pantries, and we support pantries throughout the year, giving them money. We don't have a pantry ourselves, so we try to use our resources to help those that are already doing it. Well, one of the things that we, two things that we figured out was that there are more things not available through um, government help than we were realizing. So we're making a list of things that people can't get through like food stamps or link card or all that. And that's what we're going to provide. That's our main thing. Not that we don't want to get canned food and all those kind of things, but wouldn't it be great? Some of these organizations out here uh, that deal with abuse, pregnancy center, a lot of different things out there. You know, what we didn't realize is a lot of those people are trying to support their clients and needs that are happening there that may not be happening just through the public pantries. And so we're going to try to give our stuff to these organizations that are trying to help these individuals. Aren't you excited? Just got me all enthused, man. Just uh, the opportunity to kind of dig down a little deeper into our community and be able to help in a little different. So we're going to fill that foyer. I don't know if it'll be in the foyer or the hallway. Somewhere you're going to see toilet paper everywhere and you're going to see paper towels and all this stuff. But we're going to give you a list. Uh, hope maybe by next week we may have a list and uh, that's the kind of stuff that we're going to, and then we're going to give this stuff away uh, at the end of that. We're going to take it all October uh, that we're doing there. Why? We want to be a catalyst. We want to make a difference in the life of people, maybe not just giving generally, but could we get a little more specific about how we could help others so we can not only partner with these groups with volunteers, maybe we can partner with them with resources that can make, uh, make such a difference for them. So there, there's an opportunity. Uh, Operation Christmas Child Boxes, uh, that's coming. That's end of October, 1st of November there. Um, uh, Matheny's will have all that for us in our mission group. Uh, you can be a part of that. We've been doing 100, 150 of those boxes, sending those things out. Turkey giveaway. Turkey giveaway is kind of the last hurrah of Catalyst. It's uh, November the 17th, uh, so it's right before Thanksgiving Sunday and our Thanksgiving dinner. So all of that is happening uh, for us. Uh, so I wanted you thinking about all those things. Romans 12:1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living, uh, the living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Love this verse. It's a verse that says, I'm taking initiative. I'm going to go. I'm going to do. I'm going to be a catalyst. I'm going to offer my offering. Nope, it doesn't say that. I'm going to offer myself, my body. My little hands, my feet, uh, I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice. You know, I don't know what you think true and proper worship to God is, but it's not just getting up on Sunday and getting here. That he wants that. It's not even just praying or attending. He wants us to be a catalyst to go. Offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Psalm 37.5, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him to help you do it, and he will. All right, uh, I got to close here. Uh, let's stand up. All right. Um, okay, it's, it's football season, right? All right, it's football time. And I noticed about football, 
is that they prepare and they practice and they bond and they come together as a team and they're ready and then they're getting ready to go out on the field and the the coach stands up in front of them and has all this hype and lights and crowd and yelling and all this stuff is going on. Why? For a, a I didn't say ridiculous, uh, for a football game. For a football game, right? For a sporting event. Now, I, I'm a sports fan. I love sports. I'm not going to deny it. I'm a cheerer and all that stuff right there. But when you really think about things in the whole scheme of relevance, a football game is pretty small, right? Now, not for some people. I get it. I know. Don't, don't call me. But I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about that coach. So I know I'm late. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I was thinking about that coach standing up in front of his team. So, okay, we're, we're ready, right? Okay, every member of our team, we need to be a catalyst for victory. All the hype. But it's not about a football game. It's about God's kingdom. It's about being a part of God's team. Every man, every woman, every child, every teenager, ready to go out on the field that is our life. Jesus is our king. He's our master. He has come. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has prepared us by giving his life on a cross, forgiving us of our sin, setting things right between us and him, transforming us. And now our mind and our heart is filled with his Holy Spirit. He is lifted you up. He has healed you. He has assisted you and raised up you from your burdens and he's asked us to go. That's our mission. Our mission is to listen to his word. He wants to save the world and he is sending us in the world to be a catalyst for his mission. You're right. We're part of this team. We are ambassadors. His Christ-like examples sent to influence, to share his love, to be his people, to go out in the world. Are you ready to be a catalyst? Are you, are you ready to be a catalyst? Catalyst? Are, are you ready to see what God wants to do through you? It's our time. This is our moment. It's, it's okay to realize that this is the time he's given us. I don't know how long you have to live. I don't know. You know, you got 106 days left in this year, and you got 365 next year, and you got 10 years of 3,650, and you just do the math of all that. You have an opportunity to make an eternal difference for God, to have an eternal purpose for him. Can you do it? Oh, yeah. I believe you can do it. I believe in you. I love you. I know you. I know that you trust God. I've seen his blessings poured out on you. I've seen how he is preparing you for this moment. The resources, the resources inside you, the resources outside you that he's given, the gifts, the talents that he has placed on you, the heart, the passion that he's given you, the people that he's placed around you, the skills and abilities that you've accumulated, the attitude and humility that you have, the personality that he's given you, all the experiences and knowledge. Uh, I'm getting blessed. Anybody else in here? All right. Uh, yes, you are ready. Let's not miss our moment. I mean, who's going to heaven because of us? Or maybe who's not going to heaven because we didn't do what we were called to do? If we don't get out there, if we don't pray and share and invite and love and influence and surround and get busy and stretch ourselves and take initiative, who will go and be a part if we don't do it? Who's going to carry the message to the people that need? We are are PFN. We are have people that have been blessed by God. It is our moment. It is our time. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's get out there. Let's be a catalyst for Jesus. Would you be with me? You know, we're just going to say amen. Praise the Lord.
you know, if you're on the team and you had your uniform on, they'd all put their hands together. Would you just put your hand out like that? It's like putting your hand in the middle. All right, on three, say Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. So three again. One, two, three. Jesus. That's our calling. Go and be a catalyst. Go and make a difference. Let's ask him to help us. Lord Jesus, thank you. What a moment here today, Lord. Thank you for who you called us to be. And Lord, I am telling you that right from the top that none of us are satisfied with where we are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for all the things that you've done through this church. We thank you for the way that we've grown and learned. But we realize, Lord, that you have called us to make a difference. We are called to be that somebody that takes action to have an influence to make a difference in the world. We are part of this team. We are members of your family. We have committed ourselves to Christ. We are ready to go and share your grace and be a messenger of love. Help us, Lord. Figure it out. Help us to do it. Help us to be a catalyst and to surprise the world. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Thanks. You can sit down.